many of y'all call him all that? Oh, Lord, have mercy. Sometimes, sometimes you just can't specifically call him everything. And you say, yep, he says that, he's that. You know what? He's, he's all that. He's all that. And you say, is that in the Bible? He's omnipresent, omnipotent, and omniscient. And that's what he's all in all. And I thank God for his great mercy. How many of God ever done something for you out of the extraordinary? Wow. Wow. Okay. Well, thankful for God's mercy to uh, take care of us and to save us and to transform us. Great expectations, breaking the faith barrier. Y'all ready to dig in? Stand to your feet. Let's get it. Let's ride. Let's go ahead and get it. Yeah, let's go ahead and ride. Uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse, uh, Genesis chapter 12, uh, verses 1 through 9. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 through 9. On three, read. One, two, three, go. Amen. Amen. Through our series on great expectations, breaking the faith barrier. Uh, today, I'd like to tag our text uh, this. Expect God to change your narrative. Expect God to change your narrative. Father, we thank you uh, that you are the great story giver. And Lord God, you're not only our narrator, but you're our journey bearer. And God, today we expect you to do something in here. We're expecting you to transition lives and take us on brand new trajectories that reflect your heart and your commitment to us and what you've called us to do. So Lord God, as you do that in Jesus' mighty name, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh God, our strength and our redeemer in whom we trust. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody agree with that said? Amen, 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 amen. How many of you got some great expectations for the Lord? 
Let me ask you a question. How many of you um, are working on your assignment? How many of you got three things that you're expecting God to do? Put your hand up in the air real high. That's the assignment. Three things. You need to write down. Hold them up real high. Hold them up real high. Okay. okay I want you to write it down. You give me some things if you can share. Uh, blur them out. I'm not looking for a paragraph. I'm looking for a clause in Jesus' name. Remember, I, I'm preaching a sermon. So just give me a clause or a frag. Or you can even give me a fragment. But go. Anybody. Wow. Say it again. Open the door for a new job. Amen. Anybody else? Patience. Amen. That is a great expectation. Yes. Uh, okay. Working on generational curses. Yes, yes, yes. Say it again. Healing. Amen. Anybody else? Amen. Getting your teenagers to come to church. Amen. Anybody else? Full-time. Yes. What's that? Endurance. Getting into grad school. I'm excited to hear all of these great expectations, and I, and I, and I think that there are, um, I, I want us in here to begin to develop an environment of expectation. Um, I, I can't tell you what it's like uh, to go into a place where there is expectation. Um, it, it, uh, it's interesting. Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus uh, could not do many miracles there because there wasn't much faith there. And so you don't, you don't want your life to be the environment with Jesus, I mean, he can do what he wants, yet he chooses to use faith as the mechanism to unleash his sovereignty. Oh, that should that was good right there. That was, that was good. I'm, I'm a, amen, Pastor. That, that was good right there. God, God uses belief to unleash what he was already going to do. When you think up in your mind something, it's something really God put on your heart and gave you the faith to do. All you're doing is applying it. So the beauty of that is we should be an expectant church. In other words, we should be a place where obstacles are just opportunities. Help me today. And, 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 that, and that's what I want us to begin to zoom. This is the pastoral part. I'm getting into the sermon. But I really want us to begin to be a community of expectations. I want us to crush the idea that believing God for stuff is unsound. Uh, a matter of fact, not just stuff for, I mean, uh, you know, we usually believe, the, the, the user, I, I'm, I'm, I'm believing that's in his will now that we will be a community that begins to not dare God uh, because he actually dares us um, to believe. And so I, I, want us to, I want us to get used to God overcoming stuff. I, I don't want to have a media, let me just tell you this before I begin. I don't want a life where I'm waiting for stuff to happen. I want to. I want to lie. The Bible says anything done from faith is not done from faith. It's sin. That's the last verse of Romans say. And I want my life, every single area of my life, to be filled with faith. I want the way I pray with my wife to be filled with faith. I want the way that I raise my kids to be filled with faith. I want the way that I shepherd the church to be filled with faith. I want the way I grow spiritually to be filled with faith. I want the way your life and my life, just filled with faith and expectation and desire and vision and commitment and passion that God can overcome any obstacle in our lives. So I'm done. That's the prequel. Now let's dig in. Um, interesting coming to this passage because it reminds me uh, of last month. It would have been, I guess, 15 years of uh, one Sunday. Uh, this was years and years and years ago. My wife and I were um, in Houston, Texas. I was a assistant pastor of about a 1,500-member church, and 
you know, um, living the dream, and I was teaching at a Bible college and enjoying myself. So I'm in my 20s, and I'm doing stuff that it usually takes years to do, and I'm, I'm excited about the opportunity. So we had a Sunday off, so we decided, hey, we don't <clears throat> get much time. We just, we always in church. Let's get with each other. Let's just spend some time in prayer and have some family worship time. So I opened up, uh, I, I've been just studying Genesis, and so it, it fell on Genesis 12 this particular week. And um, as it fell on Genesis 12 this particular week, uh, I, 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 my, my wife and I sit down and we pray and we start talking, and, and, and I open up Genesis 12 and I begin talking to my wife, and she's laughing while I'm talking. And so I say, I said, babe, I, I, as, as I don't know, because you got to understand, my wife was pregnant with our first, our second child. She was, she was in need of a liver transplant, and she was comprehensively physically disabled. <clears throat> and I was, we were doing, we weren't balling financially. We just wasn't. I mean, we had like a month worth of savings in the account just in case something came up, and we was off. And so the Lord said to us from Genesis 12, quit. Quit all your jobs. Now, see... <clears throat> Um, I'm like, now you got to understand. I'm like, okay, God, I hear you. I hear you. God, why don't you like, you know, listen, I can work a few more months. We stack some more chips. Get everything set up so that we can be obedient. In other words... I, I wanted to make God's calling convenient for me. But let me explain something to you. God, when he calls you, always comes when you're unprepared to receive it. Oh, y'all not going to talk back. It's okay. I'm by myself. I, I'm going to bless the Lord. God, God, loves, God loves to catch you off guard. Uh, and, and the reason why he loves to catch you off guard is because he, he, listen, he doesn't want you to have what you need to be obedient but faith alone. <laughs> because, see, if you have anything else, then you can chalk up your obedience to your preparation. Uh, uh, but, but God always calls you when you're unprepared. Oh, help me today. And so, and so, and so here in this passage, Abram is in the land of Haran. Um, whether you believe he received it or I'm not going to go through all of that, but the beautiful thing about this text is God calls Abraham, which brings me to my first point. And when God does this, he's wanting to change his narrative, which brings me to my first point of expecting God to change your narrative. Number one, a narrative change starts with a change of loyalties. <laughs> so I know most of y'all going to meditate. Because God talking to y'all. A narrative change starts with a change in loyalties. Look at verse 1. It says, now the Lord said to Abram, go. Stop right there. Now I want you to underline here, go. I want you to underline from. And underline, I will show you. Now you got to understand, go... <laughs> Go is a, is a big two-letter word. The reason why go is a, two, a big two-letter word is because it is the most life-shifting communication that God could ever give to a human being. When God tells you to go, that thing is loaded. Uh, because go always has to do with going from something 
towards something else. Uh, in, in other words, in order to go, usually God is calling you to abandon something, someone, or some place in order to go specifically where he wants you to go. As a matter of fact, go is so popular. It's a popular term in the Bible. I wish I could just do a series on the theology of go. I mean, you got, you got your man Noah, uh, where he said, go and build an ark. You got Moses, go and talk to Pharaoh. Joshua, go over the Jordan. Gideon, go in the might that is yours. Sam, Samuel, fill your horn and go to the house of Jesse. Go. Go is missiological language, if you will, because go has inferentially in it the idea of being sent by God. In other words, when God tells you to go, it's not about your destiny, it's about his mission. It's okay, y'all not going to talk back, but I know that I know for sure that I love the goal to be about me. I love it to be about my purpose and my personal perspective and my plan, but every time God tells you to go, it has to do with a missiological purpose for his honor and praise and glory, and you might get some stuff on the way. Uh, uh, let me just tell you something. God doesn't have to give you anything for your obedience. He doesn't, he doesn't owe you that. And so, and, so, and so God gives this imperative, interestingly enough, uh, to Abraham, and he tells him to go. Oops. He tells him to go from three things in particular. First off, he tells him to go from your kindred, I mean your country, your kindred, and your daddy's house. When he says go from your country, he says, I want you to abandon your cultural identity. In other words, culture is where your comfort zone of what you're used to lies. And so whenever God calls you family of God, he calls you outside of what you're used to. Help me today. Uh, God, God, see, God loves to make, see, you don't feel, you ain't gone nowhere if you're not uncomfortable with everything. You, you haven't gone anywhere. In other words, God wants to take you out of the, out of the sphere of your comfort zone of communication, of your comfort zone of enjoyment, of your com everything that makes you comfortable, the go is coming up against. That, that's, that's what the go is about. See, y'all think going has to do with some exaltation of flyness. No, what it has to do with is God saying, I got to strip you of some stuff in your life that you're enjoying and that you're used to to do what I called you to do. So he tells him to go. Somebody says go. So he says, go from. Now, now why, why would he say go from versus go to? Because going from points to the fact that you got to let some stuff go. In other words, going from something means not stuff's holding on to you, but you're holding on to stuff. So he names what you're leaving, listen, in order to let you know what you're really abandoning. And so the beauty of this idea of leaving his cultural identity is the fact that God is going to always, God loves to put his, his people in places where they feel out of place, yet feel like they're in place just because God is with them. So, so, so this, this for free. God sometimes wants you to be in a situation where all you know is that he's with you. That's all you know. You, you know, you, you, gotta, you, you, ain't, you ain't walk with Jesus until you've been in a place in your life where I don't want to be here, but all I know is God has me here. Let me, let me tell you something. It's better to be, listen, it's better to be, it's better to be, oh God help me. It's better to be where you don't want to be, but God wants you to be versus being where you want to be and not be where God wants you to be. 
Because God has a way of making where you want to be a mess. Oh, God, help me. Don't let God have to force your behind to leave. Oh, y'all looking at me funny. See, some of y'all got to be forced into leaving some stuff. Uh, listen, Paul and Barnabas, the Bible says in Acts 13 that they got called, <coughs> set aside for the ministry. The Holy Spirit set them aside for Boom, they get set aside. Boom, killing it, killing it, killing it, killing it, killing it, killing it. Boom. Then all of a sudden in, in Acts chapter 14, 25, it says Paul and Barnabas finished the ministry that the Holy Spirit set them aside for together. Acts chapter 15, they try to go beyond the season that God had them in together. And so they tried to force a season together because they enjoyed doing ministry together. But God allowed a schism to come between the two of them over John Mark to split them up. And I believe God did that because they were trying to carry their ministry into a season together where God had ended it. Be careful. This for free. I didn't even mean to say this. Some of y'all, some seasons are up in your life. Let me, let me explain something to you. It's some people that's a season too. Ouch, ouch. See, so some of y'all are trying to, pr see, some of y'all are real relational. But some people were for a season. And what ha will happen, if you go beyond the season, God will bring issues. Because God is more concerned about his mission than your comfort. I got to move. It's too much to say right here. But, but, but he tells him, he says, I want you to move, your, I want you to leave <coughs> your cultural identity. I want you to leave your land. Now, you got to understand, when you know where the corner store at, you've been going to this doctor, you just got your doctor's situation. See, when you get older, you get about 40, it's, doctors mean a lot different than it is when you're 21. All the old folk know what I'm talking about. Amen. They just mean different. You know, getting used to somebody all over again in Jesus' name. Fellas, you're going to know one day if you just go to the doctor. Um, that's a whole other thing. That's for free for brothers because we hate the doctor. Anyway. Next thing. Go from your kindred. <clears throat> go from your family relationships. God is this tired of you making tribal decisions. See, when, when God wants you to go, some of us make family decisions. Some of y'all build your life around pleasing your mom and your daddy. Listen, and let me give you this for free. Some of y'all need to grow up. See, some of y'all need to leave. The, see, some of y'all are trying to stay home and keep money. And you're losing your adulthood. Some of y'all need to get out the basement and get on the block and get you a building. Them bees just worked. I just put them together. It's just work. <laughs> and, see, and, see, and see, when God tells you to go from that, that doesn't mean you hate your family. But Jesus says, when you love me, you'll hate your family. Meaning, the intensity of your commitment to me is so great that when it's compared to your love for your family, it looks like hate. Oh, that was good. And so, and, so, and so in other words, all relationships should look hateful, not practically like you hate them, but they should look hateful because of the gap between the intensity of your love for Jesus Christ. <laughs> and, so, and, so, and so some fam, some of y'all, so listen, some of y'all, some of y'all trying to please family members and it's coming again. See, listen, I'm, I'll never forget when my dad, told, listen, I, I went to, I went to, when I went to college, 1991, went to college. Came back for break. My parents had sold the house and bought a one-bedroom apartment. 
they were trying to tell me something. You understand what I'm saying? Don't let your parents have to try to tell you something. It's a funny, it was a funny show. I don't know what show, well, it was like a, 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 I think it was one of them home and garden things my wife had me watching. Man, the parents got the house redone after their son went to college, and his room was beside the kitchen. They built out the kitchen. And he said, where my room? They said, in that closet right there. <laughs> Listen, don't, don't, don't get your feelings hurt. Just pre-un-get your feelings hurt by just going. And, 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 so, and, so, and so God wants Abram to get out of his comfort zone, get out of his familial relationships. But this is the kicker right here. Don't get mad at me. It's just the text. He wants him to leave his father's house. Now, exegetically, what that means in Tanakh is this, is it means to leave loot. See, Abraham possibly was the oldest son, which means if he hung around after his pops died, he'd be the primary person with the family name. He'd get all the resources he already got, plus the resources of his daddy, the largest portion, and he'd run the family business. So everything would be passed over to him. So when God, listen, oh, help me today. When God called him to leave, he called him to leave some money on the table. Some of y'all are going to have to leave tenured, some retirement. It's quiet than a mug up in here right now. See, some of y'all, God may be calling you in such a way where people, things that you've built up reputation in, knowledgeability in, opportunity in, when God calls you, he calls you to leave it on the table. And, 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 the issue, and the issue is that's a test of faith, that you, that you are willing to uh, that not utilize what you've built up as your reason for saying. Some of us are staying places, and God put an expiration date on it. And so, and so, and so when, when Abraham is being called to leave his father's house, he's, he's leaving all comprehensive familiarity. And you and I have to be willing to leave all comprehensive familiarity. Now, now what's crazy about this? is that God tells him, <clears throat> he says, go, he says, leave your land, leave your kindred, and leave your father's house, and go <clears throat> to a land I will show you. Somebody will get that in a second. So you got to understand, <clears throat> God wasn't going to show Abraham where he was going to send him until he was obedient to the go. <laughs> In other words, God doesn't tell you everything up front. You and, if you and I saw a, a, a DVD, HD, digital, Netflix, Amazon Prime picture, YouTube of our future, we wouldn't go. And so God tells him, I will show you. In other words, <coughs> God points to the fact that he wants to put him out there on the journey so that as he goes on the journey and is walking in biblical commitment to what he's called him to do, to show him once he begins going. In other words, God shows you his will in phases. <laughs> and because God showed you his will in phases, all of us as believers must recognize <clears throat> the beauty of the fact that God wants you to first put yourself in a position <clears throat> to be able to go to where God is going to show you. Now, what's interesting about this idea of being shown and being challenged 
about this is as God changes his narratives, many times God changes the narrative in our lives, and he doesn't let us know much because he wants us to move in faith. And in moving in faith, God many times does not choose to let you know much of what he was doing before. The idea of the Hebrew here is that God has already worked on some stuff that you don't know about before you go. But he's not going to tell you what he's worked on up front or even fully during the process because he wants you to go. That means God will never let you get away with not walking by faith. If you want, if, if, that's why, if you listen, if your life as a believer is boring, you're, you're not walking as a Christian. Christianity is an epic journey with the living God. You're walking, well, listen, let me give you something encouraging. You're walking with the creator of all things in the universe. And he's bidding you on a journey to ride with him. That, I mean, that's, that's a big doggone deal. God says, let's ride. Come on. Jump in the car with me. I got you. I got, but God, I'm leaving. I got you. So you think they're more fun than me? Like, listen, I'm, I'm God. Like, I created everything. Do you know I created your passions? How am I f not fun? How am I not fun? I created mountains. How am I not fun? I created, like, clouds, thunderstorms. Matter of fact, I gave man a mind to create stuff. So if that little mind that a human being has in his brain can create all of these things out of the stuff that I made, how do you think that they're more fun than me? It's, it's, a, it's a saga to walk with God. It's a saga. Don't you be scared to step out on him. Now, be scared to step out on you. <laughs> but when you step out on what looks like nothing, it really is you stepping out on him. I'll never forget in Indiana Jones when it was that chasm in the middle. And, 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 and he had the joint in his hand, and, 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 and he walked over to the bridge. He's, like, he's, he's looking at the map, and the map shows a bridge. But when he looked down, it was nothing there. But then all of a sudden, he said, I'm not going to go by what I see. The map says it's a bridge here. And because it is written that there's a bridge, I'm going to trust what's written above my senses. Help me today. And then Indiana Jones did like this. He stepped out, and there was a bridge up under him in which he's able to walk off. All I'm trying to tell you is God wants you to trust what's on paper versus what's in front of you. And some of you right now, in the mighty name of Jesus, are going to have to close your physical eyes and open your spiritual eyes and put your leg out and step out. And you won't recognize that once you step out, God will meet you. Let me tell you something. God never calls you anywhere where he is not committed to keeping you. It's not. He's not. He's not. It's just like he's not like your buddies who say they're going to get the money back and you just make it, a, make it, instead of a loan, you make it a gift. He's not like them. Listen, God, listen, God is a God of his word and he will meet us every step of the way. I got to go to the second point. Help me today, God. We got, we got a few points. Second point. A change of narrative is always larger than your personal journey. Always. A change of narrative is always larger than your personal journey. Look at, look at what it says here. He says, and I will make you a great nation. This is amazing. And I will bless you and make your name great. This is crazy. 
so that you will be a blessing. That's, that's amazing. So God doesn't give promises until after he gives the command. <laughs> he always gives the command first so that you're following the command and not the promises. See, see, many of us want the promises but not the command. But the command is the foundation for the promises, not the other way around. And so God, after he tells him to go, then tells him, he says, I will make you a great nation. Now, know what's banging about that? Know, know what's amazing about that? Is that he left his family, but God makes him a nation. Oh, my God. Y'all don't know when to shout. That's, that was the good part. In other words, what you leave can never compete with what God is going to do. Listen, I'm, I'm going to just tell you right now. What you leave is not, you can, listen, don't ever bring up your sacrifice to God like you did something. Now, every now and then, he'll put up with it. So Peter, Peter's like, man, Jesus, can I just say something? He's like, Lord, we respect you. I mean, bow. We love you. Um, we done left houses. Wife, I, biz, I had a business. Jesus was like, you weren't catching no fish until I came on. That is true. That is true. Um, <laughs> he said, we left a whole lot of stuff. Jesus says, I'll humor you, I know. But there's no one who hasn't left anything that won't get twice as much now and in the eternal kingdom. Let, let, me, let me just tell you something. Whatever you're leaving, you're going to feel lonely. You're going to feel broken. You're going to feel frustrated, and God will meet you. God changes. You thought you were leaving. You thought when, By the time God takes you in the way you're going, you're going to forget about what you left. I need some faith. Listen, I'm just telling you, when I look back on stuff I left, don't let God have to close the doors on you for you to go. And somebody said, how would I know he's talking to me? When he makes your soul uncomfortable where you are. When, when, it, when, it, when, it, when you just, when, when the good thing about, no, that sense you get about knowing I'm where I'm supposed to be begins to wear thin, you need to start seeking God. And, and listen, this is for free. You don't have to demonize where he's taking you from to validate where he's taking you. Because, because see, some of us want to make where we were bad in order to make us feel good about leaving. It's okay. You could have had a great season, a great stretch, a great opportunity, built great relationships. It's just that season is over. You don't have to make that bad. That was a good part of your journey. Just say bye, God bless you, have a good going away party, and go to the next season. Oh, man, help me, God. You don't have to make everybody, you don't, have, don't make people mad. <laughs> you know, some of us get irritable because we hurting because we got to leave something, and then we take it out on the people around us. That was for free. Next, he says, he says, I will bless you and make your name great. Man. So he leaves getting his family name, and God gives him a new name. Father of many, the father of a multitude to father of nations. Then it says, so that you will be a blessing. This is what I like. 
is God never calls you to do anything that's purpose-oriented that isn't bigger than you. So what you, this, this is very, very important. This is very, very important because many of us think of purpose as me-centered. And that's a very unbiblical disposition because a biblical disposition is not for us to be a puddle but a pipeline. So that, that means that God didn't mean for the rain to just come in your cup. He also made your cup with a spout. That as he's given to you, the spout should be pouring into something else. See, that, that, that's, that, that's, the, that's the beauty of the journey is that but because it puts the things that God gives you in perspective. See, when God gives you an increase and you see them in perspective, then it changes the way you feel about them because you're detached from them. In one sense, you're like, I enjoy what God, whether it's material, whatever, it, that God has given, but I know that this is not just to settle here and become soot. It's supposed to be a constant flowing mechanism to bless someone else, and this ultimately points to Jesus Christ. This ultimately points to Jesus. Why does it point to Jesus? Because Jesus, I mean, can you imagine, I mean, Abraham is walking by faith. He had no idea that God the Son was going to be in his bloodline. Can, can you imagine? Like, I mean, he didn't know. He didn't know. And, and the fact that his DNA strand was going to be in Jesus' blood that was spilled for the sins of the world. That's nuts! Then when Christ died on the cross, although it was perfect blood of Jesus, it still was real blood, so it had Abraham's DNA in it. It's about God blowing your mind with what he does. Yet, your DNA is called the blood of Jesus. Man, that's the whole, anyway, anyway. That, that's crazy to me. He said, I will bless you, make you a great nation. And uh, <clears throat> he goes down further. And he says, I will bless those. This is funny. <coughs> he says, I will bless those who bless you. In other words, uh, he says, and he says, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. In other words, you don't have to, to all my haters out there, to all, to all of them hating on what God taking me. I, the devil, he is a liar. And I notice you, nah, nah, I'm blessed, nah, nah. Like, that's not the scriptures. The Bible says, I'll take care of it. Y'all didn't hear that. Now, this is what's dope about it, though. God, listen, God <clears throat> took care of Abraham. When he was acting stupid, and he still honored the covenant that Abraham wasn't honoring. Okay. So God says, I, I'm going to bless anybody. I'm gonna dis anybody dishonor you, I'm putting them on blast. So he's, Abraham, before they go in a couple of places, he says, listen, babe, you know you're fine. You know every time we go somewhere, dude's looking all at you, and I'm too old to fight no more. You know, I can't fight no more. So listen, you know, I, I'm, you know I'm old. I'm 75 years old. And you still fine, and I'm looking older. I'm looking like your dad and carrying on, all right? He says, so look, when we go into Egypt, you know how the Egyptians are. They like, they, they, they got on all that makeup, and, you know, they, they swole, and they got gold on, and, you know, and they want you a part of all that. When we go in, you my cousin, all right? You my cousin, because I don't want nobody beating me up about you. And, sh and she goes along with it, so he punks out. Pharaoh takes his, takes his wife, about to put her in his harem. Money take a nap. God immediately shows up in his dream. He says, what's up, my man? He said, um, 
God putting Vaseline on his face, putting some gloves on. He said, Shorty over there, you know who she is? He said, Nah, Shorty fine. He said, Yeah, I know she is. I created her. Um, her husband is a prophet. Her husband? I ain't know that he said, I'm telling you. I'm about to wake you up. I don't care what time it is, but you get your butt out of that Egyptian cotton bed you're laying on. Don't call no guards, because when I come after you, can't no guards protect you the way I come after somebody. And I'm about to wreck shop in Egypt, so I'm going to tear your whole household up. I mean, I'm going to put your whole situation on black. He like one of them battle rappers in Southwest Philly. I'm going to put your whole, rearrange it, y'all. I'm going to pull my guns out, break your neck, tear you up, pull you out, up under. <laughs> God went like, like a bit. You know what I'm saying? When I'm about to, man, they be scary, man. Pharaoh, wake up, help, help, hey. And then he tell Abraham, take your wife. You don't look, man, you almost got my whole situation. Listen, and Abraham, listen, this is the grace part of it. Abraham was wrong. But God honors his covenant with him, even though he's wrong. Ain't it good that your obedience or disobedience doesn't stop God from keeping his part of the bargain? That's, that's, that's a beautiful thing. Last thing, and I promise I'm out your way. <laughs> God changed your narrative, and the narrative changed. The first leg of obedience to God sometimes feels unstable. <laughs> the first leg of obedience sometimes feels very, 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 very unstable. Look at what the text says. He says, so Abraham went. I like that. He went. 75 years old, the text says. He said, as the Lord told him, and Lot went with him. I don't know if Lot was supposed to go because he said, go from your family. <laughs> Hold on, Abraham. Like, why you, like, God said, go. See, we usually justifies our partial disobedience by our partial obedience. And you know Lot going to cause him some issues in the long run because he told him to go from your family. So he took a stowaway in his journey. Listen, let me tell you something. God didn't stop his journey because of that, but it did cause Abraham problems. Be careful of taking with you something or someone or someplace that God told you to leave behind. Listen, Whatever God tell you to leave, even if it was a good thing, will become a problem because he told you to leave it. That was so good. Help us today, God. Listen, leave it behind. I, I got to move. I gotta, it's too much in the text. Just, the Bible just too much. He said, he said, and Abraham was 75 years old. Man, that's crazy. So God going to change your narrative like late. Headline receding. Varicose veins, Geritol, some of y'all don't even know what that is. Ben Gay, Icy Hot, Insure. You understand what I'm saying? Dentures, knee surgery, go. Yeah, hip replacement, all that. Listen, it's never too late to go. 
It's never too late. That was a word for somebody. It's never too late to go. Help us, God. And then he says that Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Moray. At the time, the Canaanites were in the land. Man, I wish I had some more time to talk about that. <laughs> the, the Canaanites were in the land. So God tell you to go to a land that I'm going to show you. You show me. I get there and somebody where you told me I was going to be. I can see, hey, hey, I mean, can you imagine God telling you, I'm going to give you something and then a bunch of people like on it, loitering and everything. That's your, your divine property is somebody else has it. But let me tell you something. When God promises you something, don't let who is occupying it get in the way of the fact that God told you you're going to get it. Oh, y'all, see, this is the charismatic part right here. So you got to have some faith right here. See, there's some stuff out there that God has for the believer, we still sound in doctrine on this too. There's some stuff God has for you that somebody was still, they're occupying it now and you're confused because God told you it was yours, but somebody else has it. Oh, I'm preaching to myself now. Even if you don't say amen, I'm going to say amen for myself because there's some things that you're going to be believing God for that's occupied by somebody else. There's some stuff out there that has somebody else's name on it. As a matter of fact, they leasing it, they subleasing what God gave to you to somebody else, and they making money off of it. Lord, have mercy. But God already, the deed and the title is in somebody else's name, but all you got is a promise in your heart. And so I'm trying to tell you right now, don't let somebody else's temporary stewardship get in the way of you recognizing God's ownership. But the, the, the most important part of this is this, is this, is that you, have, you and I have to recognize in the midst of all of this that the reason why they're on it is because God was gracious enough to let somebody get everything in place so that when it's your time to have it, you have less work to do because he let it be occupied and worked on and renovated and developed and zoned and everything for when you're going to have it. See, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about myself. See, I'm believing. See, the reason why I'm talking because it's some stuff that I've been circling and I've been praying for God for, and I just lay my hands on it. I ain't put oil on it yet, but there's some stuff that's in the possession of somebody else that I got a vision for for the living God. And all I'm saying is that somebody else own, uh, somebody else is stewarding it, but I know that God owns it, and I'm believing Him, and I'm I'm believing, putting faith in the fact that one day God's gonna unleash it for His glory, for His honor, and praise. So I don't want to be discouraged. Ever. I'm done. Last thing, last thing. I'm out, I'm out of the way. I'm out of the way. Unstable. Bible says Abraham got down there. <coughs> he built an altar in the midst of the Canaanites and called them the name of the Lord. That's weird. He took some wood, built an altar, didn't do a sacrifice, and yelled, Jesus! He yelled the name of Yahweh there, but we would say, Jesus, um. Can you imagine somebody going to the middle of Rittenhouse Square? bringing, like, just building something in the middle of Rittenhouse Square. People walking their dogs, people sitting with their kids playing. You come out there, build an altar, and yell the name of God. But when you walk by faith and you're claiming something that God has given to you, you got to be willing to look stupid. 
You got to be willing to look stupid. I, I got two more things. I promise I'm, I'm closing this thing. He, and then it says he pitched a tent. Now, listen, Abraham Rich got all these opportunities. He pitched a tent, and they got, like, cribs. So he comes there in the promises of God, living nomadically, looking unstable. Sometimes in the first phase of un- obedience, you're going to look unstable. Sometimes you're gonna, people are going to think you're crazy because you ain't got all, all the stuff together, and then you're going to call back home. How you doing? Everything's going to great. I just put my tent, you know, over on, um, I just put my tent on Broad and Gerard, and, you know, the kids are out playing in front of the tent. In other words, there are going to be people in your life that mean well that are going to try to give you and it's okay, but God, you, you got to walk through it. Last but not least, Jesus. This ultimately points to Jesus because he's the better Abraham. Jesus leaves his father's house. He was slain before the foundation of the earth, and he knew what his journey was going to be. And he still took the journey to save us. But then finally, we see that Jesus Christ takes the journey, dies on the cross for our sins, gets up from the grave. So he left heaven, left all of that, came to earth. The Bible says something interesting, because the Bible says that Abraham got a greater name. The Bible says that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In other words, God takes the name of Yahweh removes it as the central covenant name, injects everything Yahweh is into the name of Jesus, and exalts it above his own name of the Godhead. In other words, Jesus obeyed and was rewarded. And then one day, everything is going to decrease with intense heat, and there will be an entire universe. Jesus gave up his throne and gained the universe. And so if our Lord and Savior could allow his narrative to be changed, his narrative was sitting at the right hand of God the Father. Because of our sin, his narrative changed that he would take on an additional nature and live the life we could never live, died the death we could never die, raised from the grave we could never be raised from, and he got an upgraded body for us in his resurrection. And so if our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ could do that, so can we. Father, we thank you, we honor you, bless you. For the glory of our relationship with you and the beauty of that. Maybe you're here today and you need God to change your narrative. The first thing about your narrative has to change is that you meet Jesus Christ as Savior. That's the ultimate thing. That he died on the cross for your sins. He got up from the grave on the third day. And he goes from spiritual, you go from spiritual death to spiritual life. If you're here today and want to put your confidence in Jesus, slip your hand in the air. We'd love to talk to you about Jesus.